I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan, but you can call me Shan. I'm Livs. I'm Laurel Brown. I'm Victoria. So today's episode, we are discussing colorism. Colorism is a huge issue in the black community and in minority communities in general, I feel like. Uh, just to give it a definition, colorism is literally discrimination based on how dark your skin is. And these issues usually come from or exist within the same ethnic or racial group. So we all know that colorism is something that technically or essentially has been indoctrinated in our communities through slavery and colonialism, whether we're talking about house slave versus field slave, or whether we're talking about Tutsi Hutu conflict uh, in Africa, straight down to what we see now in terms of kind of the disproportionate dating scenario that we see with black men disproportionately dating lighter skinned or white women. So guys, we have a lot to talk about today. We're all different women coming from different backgrounds. We all have different skin tones ranging from light to dark. And so I think it would be really interesting to explore the different experiences that we have as it relates to colorism. So what's the experiences that you've had as it relates to colorism? Or do you think that it's even really an issue in the community? Yeah, I mean, my background in terms of my career is with children and young people. And I think what I find really difficult to stomach is the way that the messaging comes through at such an early age. So if you look at a lot of the literature and a lot of the tools that are used in even like early year settings, like nurseries and stuff, mm. either it's white children in the books or if they are children of colour or black children in these books, they're often quite light. So I think from such an early age, the message that is communicated to black people is around white is right and to aspire to be lighter and obviously then there are ramifications whether we look at beauty whether we look at employment um or just the way in which people are labeled it is just really problematic i think still when you were growing up laurel did you find that that affected you like did you find that not having that representation as a dark-skinned black woman affected you in any way shape or form it's difficult because a lot of this is probably unconscious. You absorb messages like unconsciously. Um, and so I can't say absolutely, yes, this particular book or this specific incident affected my self-perception. And I think obviously I have to bear in mind that I'm not necessarily considered a dark-skinned person. And when I was, for example, having social interactions, people would say, oh, you're like, you're brown, you're not dark. So people would make a point of... Uh, almost complimenting me by not calling me dark skin um, and just making sure I knew that I wasn't dark skin. But I can't say that I then had negative experiences in terms of my own experience of education, etc. I think colorism is a huge issue in the black community. And I think it is just as big as racism because it's this whole idea of um, where you fit in a spectrum and it can relate to just your overall value. And I really kind of struggle as a light-skinned woman talking about colorism because I never want to come across as being naive or patronizing. And I think in the past when colorism has been brought up, it's always kind of um, glossed over as like, oh, you know, all women are beautiful. You should love the body you're in. And like we know that is a lot more complicated than that. There are like structural, historical elements behind it. And if you just paint it as something as kind of superficial as beauty, you kind of erase all the history that's there. And I think that's been my problem kind of when people talk about it in the media and people talk about the beauty industry that they phrase it as just like, oh, you should just love the skin that you're in and like da-da-da-da. And it's all very like glossy and fluffy. And it's like, well, actually, there's a really 
dark history here that we're only just now, as you said, starting to unpack. Yeah. And so do you find that it's something that you consciously have to avoid or consciously have to be aware of because you are lighter skinned? Yeah. Yeah. So like, say if I talked about um, representation of like black women, if I talked about hair representation, I always have to bear in mind, like, I have quote unquote acceptable black hair. Like I have like the curly kinky kind that is cute and people like. And in terms of my complexion, it's all very like within an acceptable box. So it's like, even though I'm like all for equality and shouting for equality, it's like, I have to remember I come with privilege as well. And that can be a like difficult line to, a difficult thing to balance. Well, when I was growing up in Jamaica, I was, even though I'm mixed, I'm dark. And I was much darker when I was younger. I used to spend lots of time in the sun, et cetera, et cetera. And same thing. So it was always you're pretty even though you're dark as opposed to you're pretty because you're dark. And I grew up in a black majority country. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting. Like I remember in prep school, I went to a Jewish prep school in Jamaica, actually very random. So I was one of the darker kids, kids in my school, a school named Hillel which actually now is teaching kids. There is a, an exercise that came out, it was publicized actually, where one of the teachers was asking students to write a story from the perspective of the slave master, as opposed to... Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so how wow. do you justify slavery? It was, and it, was, it went viral, it was a huge thing. And the teachers justified it still to this day. They're like well, we were just trying to make them understand all of the perspectives. And I'm like, what perspective? What? Why would you... understand that it needs to be understood. Exactly. Wow. So I remember what? when I was in prep school, um, and, you know, on, in, in sixth grade, when you're about to graduate, everybody, you know, signs your shirt. And did you guys do this in, yeah, in yeah, prep yeah. school as well? Yeah. But somebody wrote black flesh on my, on my uniform. Is it? Yeah. Black flesh? Yeah. And when I used to, I remember on days where I used to wear like my brownie uniform because I was a girl, you know, I was in Girl Guides. People used to say, mock me and say, I was, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Like I look like a piece of shit because I'm wearing brown on brown. This is in Jamaica. Yeah. And this didn't come from the white kids either. This came from like teachers. It came from the other kids who were black, maybe lighter skin than me, but not necessarily the white kids or the white Jamaican kids, as I like to call them. Um, so definitely for me growing up, it was a huge thing. And I think that made me even more resilient in terms of making sure that there were spaces for darker skinned women in whatever avenue I was working on, because literally it was something that was always made a point, whether in, in my family or outside of my family. Yeah, actually. Now, now you live here, do you think that colorism is potentially more of an issue when you're in a country that is mostly black? Because, like, growing up, I didn't have that experience where it was, like... Really? Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't have that. Like, when I grew up, like, my family's really diverse. So we've got mixed-race people, white people. Well, obviously not, they're, like, married and white, but right, they're right. still family. Black people, we've got black people that are extremely light. Like, my grand, my nan, her skin colour is way lighter than you lot. It's like, and she's got, like, she just, yeah. And then we've got the other side that are, like, dark, like, proper, proper dark. So, like, growing up, I was never really, like conscious of colorism because i guess naturally in our family we were all accepting of it because the people that you love your cousins your mom your dad your uncle whatever they were all so different you mm -hmm. know what i mean so i never had to really think about like it, there was never like a situation where the shade of my skin came into like any conversation but do you feel that way now because you're as an adult is it something that you're more aware of or is it something that you've experienced as an adult now um i think i'm only aware of it now because on like Twitter, Black Twitter kept talking about it like two years ago. Really? If I'm being completely honest, I didn't I didn't feel the need to be conscious of it before. I didn't I was never exposed to it. I never had a negative negative experience of it. But I think interestingly enough, when that conversation came about, I was able to like look back onto certain things that happened that maybe were quite problematic or maybe linked to like issues surrounding colorism that I didn't know about at the time. But also oh. some of that might be just like British culture, like in terms of people are less likely to say things to your face. Like I think British culture, people like, they know you can't be like straight racist to someone's face. Like you couldn't just tell someone they look like shit to their face because like you would probably get excluded. So like, 
but it's more behind your back. I still definitely do it though. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say because when I was at school, people were really cruel to people who were dark skinned. Really, like, and they used to say really spiteful things. Mm. Um, and also their country of origin would come into it, so they'd either call them just like black booboos, for example, mm. was like a common one, or do you know what I mean, or African thing, this, and it's just like so spiteful. But did you? But at the time, so like I remember that happening to one particular girl in my class who I was really close with. But in my head, it wasn't like. This sounds so silly, but even though they're making comments about how dark she was, in my head it wasn't because she was dark. They're just teasing her. Do you know what I mean? They're making comments to my friend because she was spotty. It's because she had spots. So in my head it seemed like everyone got teased about something. That was just your thing. So I didn't, I didn't digest that information as they're being colorism or they're hating her because she's black. It was like we're in this place called school where everyone gets teased, and that's just your, your thing to get teased on. Do you get what I mean? And both of you grew up, Laurel and Shan, both of you grew up in predominantly white spaces, would you say, or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the most that's part. interesting. Yeah. My secondary school was quite diverse, though. There was a balance of people. Yeah, so my primary school was really diverse. Like, my class, it was only one class per year. And they're the friends that I'm still friends with now. And we were probably majority black and mixed. So we... I. In terms of saying that phrase, which I absolutely hate in terms of I don't see colour, I didn't feel any different is what I mean when mm. I was growing up, up until I got to secondary school. And then secondary school, again, was very diverse, but you could see the clear mix. The black majority of us stuck together. The white um, people stuck together. Asian people stuck together. And we did mix, but there was definitely, that's when I started seeing colorism towards and negative um, like talk towards darker skinned women mm. um, darker skinned girls and then and then it triggered me thinking about my primary school and certain people's comments about the darker skinned boys mm. which I never equated to colorism until I got to secondary school mm. and then started realizing a lot of the popular girls were either light skinned or mixed and they did yeah. have brown girls but they weren't dark the darkest skinned girls unless they were loud and funny Mm. They were like deemed cool. Yeah. Otherwise, they were blick. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. not have the good care. That was, that was something I was gonna bring up. Yeah. Like I, looking yeah. back, I remember that all the girls that I went to be like cool or like that. You know, there was like well for me anyway in year seven there was like three girls that like, everybody in the whole year fancied. No matter what race you was, these are like the buff girls, the pen girls. Boom, was it boom things, ching things? And like when I was thinking about it today because I knew we was gonna be discussing colorism. And I was thinking, what do they all have in common? They're all light-skinned. Or they all got, like, what is called, like, acceptable hair. And that was it. And mm. now, it's funny, because, like, now, no one would, like, check for those girls anymore, because for whatever reason, but known, they, they wouldn't look at them anymore. But it's just interesting, because they put, like, those same guys put a lot of... When we got to, like, year 11, or we got older, the same guys that were, like, bowing down to these girls were putting a lot of weight on, like, the black girls, or, like, the darker-skinned girls, or the brown girls. But, like... From year six and going into year seven at that young age, that was somehow already like subconsciously embedded into them that that was like what beauty is. So it's kind of interesting to have this conversation and to think about how deep rooted it actually is. Because why did they go to that? Like, why did they grow up thinking that that was what beauty was? Because their mum probably wasn't all that colour. Mm. And this is the thing that boggles my mind, right? Because I know, and I, you're probably right going back to what you asked in that growing up in a black majority country, this the way in which you see colorism kind of unfold is really different. Because I was saying to someone else earlier today, actually, that there's a disproportionate number of Jamaican men that I know personally that come from a certain background. So let's, if we're using class as like a context, come from like a middle upper class background mm. who have lived in Jamaica all of their life and never dated a black girl ever in their entire life and we're talking like the vast majority of your peers and counterparts are um are black and even within my context and it's interesting to come here actually and have the mixed mixed race narrative apply to me when it really doesn't because even within that context there are situations where I'll be standing or I'll be with like a light-skinned black girl and she'll still be deemed more attractive than me, even though I'm mixed, which I think here is the complete opposite. It's like once you're mixed, there's a natural, and that's because it's a half white, half black kind of thing, right? Mm. So it's interesting because actually someone else in, in our group 
in the infamous WhatsApp group that we've been developing, which you can join on to. <laughs> which you can join. By clicking the link in the Instagram bio. <laughs> Be a part of the conversation. <laughs> Said that, um, you know, as a light-skinned woman, she also feels like she has been ostracized within her community as well. And I, I don't know if this speaks to any of the experiences that you've had, Vic, as a lighter-skinned woman. Like, how do you navigate back blackness? Or has there ever been a time where you've been challenged? Or And what yeah, happens? Definitely. So this has happened probably more often than not. So one guy started a pro-black platform, which I was really supportive of. Um, but then once once he started getting quite popular, he then put a post out about mixed heritage and why they really don't have a place in the community to speak on things about the black community. So naturally, I spoke up about it and he blocked my comments and blocked me from the page. And so I then tried to have a conversation, like a real life conversation with him. And he was just like, if you're mixed, you're not black, so you're not talking. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take up space that other black people should have. And... It, then it puts you in a position where you then are like, who am I then? So I know who I am. So for me personally, when people come at me like that, I think they've got, I just kind of bat it back to them because I think that's their problem. Maybe they don't understand what black means um, in terms of identity and what we've already spoken about on the first on the first podcast. I can never be a white person. Mm. Um, even though I am half white, I can never be in a white category. And I am black. So to tell me that I can't speak on a subject or speak up or, or even create the platform that I've created to celebrate our culture, to be told, are, are you down for us though, really? Or to be challenged about my, my own identity, I do find, I find that extremely problematic. Just simply because looking at history in terms of civil rights movements and actually how coming together as a black community is the most progressive we can be. And so we technically using the divide and rule to 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 our own detriment and i always question like why would you do that why are we not all in this together and if you are in america that one drop rule applies and i do feel like it's a stark difference when i went over to america to work for three months when i was 19 they didn't question my blackness and said they didn't actually know until two months in that i was white half white um because it's not it's not a question that they even brought to me are you mixed are you there wasn't it didn't come up so i find it in the UK specifically, there seems to be more of an issue is questioning, are you fully black? If not, do you have a space here? And I find that, yeah, I find that problematic. Do you feel like there is ever a time when you have to choose though? And this is just me playing devil's advocate because it kind of plays into this idea when you just mentioned historically, kind of looking at some of the more popular civil rights female pioneers, whether we're talking about Angela Davis or Rosa Parks, mm. and looking specifically at Rosa Parks, who was chosen mm. as the face for that movement yeah. instead of, I, can't, I can never remember no, her name, no. and this is exactly the point. Yes. There was a darker-skinned woman who was the first wo woman to not get off the bus, and she was put aside because she was like a single mom, she was darker-skinned, and she so it plays... Black yeah. And so it was, it was, it kind of plays into this whole idea of respectability politics. So, because Livs, you work in, in kind of a, an industry where, is there a time within your industry where you have to be like, oh, actually, let me give this space to a black girl to really comment on issues? Or how do you navigate that within the idea of knowing that people are going to pick you because of the fact that you're lighter skinned in certain circumstances? So I've spoken on a number of different panels where, you know, a workplace would invite you in and ask you to talk about diversity, whether it's within the media or just like representation in general. And I'll always ask who else is on that panel, because it's really important to me that I haven't been ticked as like, she's the black girl. She's also the girl. Like She's also the young girl. Like and like, it's really important to me that that panel is diverse and that I'm not just brought on to represent a whole community because how could I possibly talk about black representation for example when I have no idea what it means to be dark skin um so I always ask like who else is going to be on that panel and just make sure that I think it's about not expecting one person to have all the answers because they're never that's just not 
it, that you would never put that in any other example mm. where it's just like, oh, you know, we have this science experiment, but we only ask one person and we only have one set of results, <laughs> but we're just going to go with it. Like, that, like in a scientific sense, that would never be allowed. You would just be like, no, we need more than one test results. So it's kind of, if you're going to speak to black people about their experience being black, you need to speak to a range of different people and they need to be of different shades, heritage, backgrounds. Um, so when we talk about colorism... I think for me, it's kind of like I really want to raise the voices of like dark skinned women and make sure that I'm not being patronizing. But it's really hard because it's like I, I remember you were saying, I think you said this in the first episode. You talked about how your friend was like, you should go for Miss Black Britain. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, you were yeah. like, I'm not going to do it because like I know that a dark skinned woman, if I go, then a dark skinned woman has less of a chance of winning. Mm. So I think it's those kind of examples of knowing when to speak and when not to speak and when to give up your place for someone who's has more to say on this subject. But I think it's interesting as well that you're, the idea that, like, for the panel, you'd just be chosen and expected to represent the whole yeah. the whole race. Because I remember when I worked in telly, and they were do, I think I might have spoke about this on the first one as well, and they were doing a project about racism and what is racism, and it was this massive project they were going to put lots of budget into, and the whole team was white, and they asked me to join the team. Wait. <laughs> And I was, <laughs> but like, no, but no, but the, the maddest thing is the things that they were saying were racist. I didn't find racist, so it was like I asked to take be taken off the team, and to find somebody else because I wasn't representing the race enough. Clearly, like the, mm. there was people that were white saying to me, "This is racist," and I'm like, "I don't view this as racist," or like, "This is what's that thing called cultural appropriation," and I'm like, "I wouldn't find that offensive." So I think mm. it's, I think it's quite. Why would they have a whole white team to start with? That's very wild. It's the industry, isn't it? <laughs> the, the industry was the Why team. Bother? The team is the team is white. Do you get what I mean? Like, you'd have to hire a whole entire new team. Yeah. Which is what they should really do in situations like that. But they didn't. Shout out them. It was just like... <laughs> no, but I had to take myself out of the situation because it was like, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I find these things offensive. Wait, what were some of the things that they wanted you to find offensive? Just out of curiosity. There were things that I think that most people would find offensive. I just, I just didn't. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I spoke to my friend who was... One of my friends who was mixed race, who was on the team... She wasn't on that project, but she, I worked with her. And I was, I'd, I'd go and talk to her and be like, why, why should I find this offensive? And she would be like, some people might find it offensive because of this, but others might not find it offensive because of that. But I was always the person that didn't find it offensive. <laughs> so why am I going to be on this project? Like, it just didn't make sense. But in their head, it was like, hey, we're doing something about race. There's a black person. Yep, choose her. <laughs> but actually, the mixed race person in that scenario would have, would have suited it better. Because mm. she actually could speak on the position of someone who found all of these things offensive that I didn't. Mm. I think that's the issue because going back to what Leanne said in terms of taking up space so acknowledging that if you're light-skinned you have light skin privilege acknowledging that and knowing when to step aside basically you need to know that but also um, on the flip side of that is owning who you are and mm. not feeling like you have to be chastised every time you then stay, stay, um, put something out that's pro-black or create something that you think mm. is hopefully representing and um, championing the voices of of the community. Because people, so. people pick and choose when they want you to be black and not black. Because Bob Marley's mixed race, but everyone, no one knows him as mixed race. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows him as a it's Jamaican, true. We Jamaican never black man that we that. cherish. Yeah. So all these people that want to be doing... Yeah. Do, do, Same do, with do, um, yeah, do it to President him Obama. They're like the first yeah. black president. He's actually Always. mixed race. Yeah. But do you guys find this to be a women's issue? Because when I think of colorism, I don't really associate it as with men and as a man's issue. And an example, really basic example, is when I WhatsApp some of my dark skin friends or just dark skin people on my WhatsApp and I use an emoji and even though they're dark skin, I would consider them to be dark skin. I always hesitate about when I represent them using the dark skinned like woman in case it offends people. Like this is how deep things are in terms of colorism. Like I find I worry when it comes to women, but if I'm messaging a man who's dark skin, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd put like the king emoji. That's like the darkest one. Hey. But with <laughs> best of the king. Hey. <laughs> but I, I just find this. I don't know. I don't know if we can say it's a women's issue, but I just think of this in terms of a women's space? Well, I think it manifests itself differently for women than it does for men, right? Well, I think there is a certain exoticization of black men that takes place. With women, it's more of like a self-esteem thing. So like when we think about skin bleaching, which is now becoming this $23 billion industry, mm. it's something that I would say acutely affects women. I don't, do you guys know any men that bleach? 
Vibes cartel. I mean, other than cartel. <laughs> but he would say that he did it to make a political statement, right? Not because he genuinely wants mm. to be lighter like skin. I don't know about I, that. I, oh, you don't know? <laughs> I, don't <believe laughs> I mean, I can, we can only go off of what he says. Oh, yeah, alkaline too. I think the problem might also be that, like, with women, there's, like, we have, like, this, like, to take colorism out of it, we've got this pressure anyway to be beautiful or to be, like, idolized mm. and to be attractive. Whereas men don't really have that as much. Because, like, when you look at, like, courting and dating in a heterosexual relationship, the men normally go after the women. That's tradition. Exactly. So I feel like that's why the, the problem might be more prominent in, against women. Because if we've got this unconscious or subconscious bias of lighter skin being better, you're going to want to aspire to be that because you want to want to be more desirable. Yeah. So I think that's why it's, it's not an issue. Because men, it's like, well... I'm gonna choose you. You're gonna choose me back anyway. It's kind of that sort of ego. Whereas women, mm. you have you have to want to be picked. It's like even in school, there was a lot of pick me girls that would like, yeah, yeah, I I love football. You don't, you don't. <laughs> love football. But they would want to do that because they want to be seen as like the cooler one or more mm. closer to men or more likable. Yeah. I think that's the same as colorism, but it's in a different reverse. Yeah, way. it goes back to history in terms of the white woman being the most precious, um, wanted, yeah, mm. pure women. In the globe, apparently, mm. um, and yet there is a fetishism, fetishism, no, fetishization, with black men. So even as yeah. slaves, um, enslaved peoples, they were still, um, you know, deemed, or no, not from the male, uh, not from the white male perspective, but certainly from white women, um, fetish. No, why can I not fetishization? This, this is really bad. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> can't, don't even know if I'm saying <laughs> it properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's exactly what. Wow, look at me trying to be smart, and then I'm like, what's the word? Misogynoir is. So it's like yeah. you're battling against a society which has told you that your appearance is directly linked to your worth and your value, mm. and then you're also told that your skin color is a direct result direct link to your worth and value. So those two things combine, of course, it's going to affect women more than men. This is the Dope Black Women podcast. So like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I think there's been a couple of like think pieces wrote about it, but I, like, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it's in. a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like you see white men who go for black women, it will always be a dark skinned woman. Yeah. Like, and it happens a lot with YouTube couples. That's not a thing I just like. Okay, I was going to say, like, what is that about? Is that that something worth criticizing? Do you think it's conscious? Do you think, like, I think there is two ways. I think it's on a continuum. I think there are definitely white and black people who fall in love with people outside of their race and it just happens organically. But I think there is equally this disproportionate thing of black men idolizing white women and white men fantasizing about fucking but not marrying black Mm. women or dark-skinned black women. And I guess for me, I I think I mentioned this before, but for me, it's a little bit personal. God rest his soul. My father don't cost me. But my dad, who is a very dark-skinned black man, strategically and if I'm being honest, probably married my mom because she was a light-skinned foreigner. Mm. And because he knew trying to raise his social disposition in life, whether subconsciously or consciously, marrying somebody who was lighter-skinned would make a difference. Um, I don't know if he intended that his kids would turn out as dark as they did, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Look at God. (laughs) That... Makes, like, logical sense. Like, obviously, it's not... It's sad that he thought that way, but I can't blame him. So, like, when it's the other way around, when it's, like, a white man after a black woman, like, what's the logical... Well, what I was going to say was that even though he married my mom, who was lighter skin, when you looked at his girlfriends and all of his side pieces, because, like, every post-colonial man, he had many other women (laughs) on the side, (laughs) they were all black women. Right. Yeah. So I'm. I still think it works for black men. Is that the darker skinned you are as a woman is the more you're fetish, fetishized, exoticized. We're all struggling with that word. Yeah. <laughs> you're more exoticized. And for me, no. Even within dating, the fact that I, if I meet somebody who is like, whether they're light skinned, black, or whether they're white or whatever, if they say to me, oh, you know, something about my the tone of my skin, 
in a way that feels like they're exoticizing me, it's mm. problematic and I can't date them. As much as someone who's saying, oh, I'll date you because you're mixed even though you're dark and I can't date them either. Mm. Which narrows down the dating that. pool significantly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that many white men, so I don't know if... I don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friends are black. Black and black. Well, black. That's it. <laughs> Shout out, Kyla, my one white friend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you guys know any white men that are dating yeah, black women? Yeah, yeah, one of my closest friends is a white guy. And do you find it weird that he's no, dating? He's, he's, he's gut dating uh, someone who's bi- biracial. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So I know one white guy and he only dates black girls. Like literally, See, I've issue. never seen. That's it, what, right? It? When it, No, no, when it's the I only yeah. Yeah. hate white black girls. I feel like, like that's a self-hate but, thing. Well, it's like a fetish. Fetishizing thing. What I feel like because it's, like it's fine to be like I date black girls and brown girls and white girls, but if you're like I only date black girls, it's like you're. On I'm like this... I only date guys who are light skinned. Is that the same problem? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or guys that say I only date I white know. girls I'm and your mum is black. Like yeah. I just feel like you've got issues when. Do you know what I mean? You say that kind of. I stuff. have so many friends who are who their mothers are black women, proud black women, mm-hmm. who. Literally, and here's the thing: some of these black men who are dating white women as well, they are pro-black, fist in the air. We love our black community, and for me, and I know this is a controversial thing, but I feel very strongly about it. There are. I'm gonna. You're gonna tell me not to say it. No, because what I was thinking was problematic. That's how I stopped. But you to do yours, and I'll do mine after. How revolutionary is it? How much more revolutionary can you be? in terms of empowering your black community other than promulgating it. Like, if you're not, if your intention, I remember I was dating this guy and he, historically, leading up to when we started dating, had only ever dated white women, black black guy. And I was like, so what are you doing with me? And subsequently, he's gone on to only date black women. And he's like, because I want my kids to look like me. And I want my kids so what he doing to with the white woman? just fucking about. Because I know somebody... Who's <laughs> with this black man who's dark skinned and he's with someone he's he's all his partners have been white and he's had children with them. But when I spoke to them, he was just with can I just say I've got white friends that I really appreciate <laughs> and love. No no no, because I think what I'm gonna say, I don't want to think it's me saying it. But what they basically said was is that like they found it easier to be with women who were white. And it's problematic on two issues. Because one, they're suggesting that being with black women are difficult and hard and inherently difficult and hard. And that that's a problem in itself. But mm. also I felt like so really you want to be with a black woman, but you're just choosing to be with someone for like, choosing to be with someone's sake. Do you know what I mean? You think it's yeah. quote unquote easier to be with a white woman? That's what, no, they think. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. They. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone shouts like, no, wait, no, wait. No, I get it, I get it. I think that is, that is a thing. Yeah. Like, that is I a thing. That's a, I think that's a, a very big thing. Yeah. And it goes back to like, black women being quote unquote, Angry. Angry. Feeding into the stereotype. Blah, blah, blah. That even a black man be like, I don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But when when you look at movies, like some movies will portray the dark women as like these like crazy, uncared. Oh my gosh. My favourite film. (laughs) You just nailed it on the head. Is it Best Man's Holiday? No. What's that film yet? Where they're... At the start of the scene, they're in the airport. And it's so funny. She starts going crazy. Like, oh my god! Da, 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 da. But anyway, the, the dark skinned woman. There's a brown skinned woman and there's a dark skinned woman. And the dark skinned woman is the crazy one throughout the whole film. Is yeah. this Why did I get married? Sorry, it's that one. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, right? yeah. I oh, was. What's the husband's she's... name? And she always used to call up his Malk. Mal- Mal- I don't know, but she's Mal- she dates. Yeah. Yeah. She dates the one. She dates the one who's like a sports presenter, yeah. isn't it? They all have the that same is voice as well. They're like, yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite films. But look at that film. How they portray her. She's the darkest one in the clan, <laughs> and so she's the craziest one from a mile off. No one's even like a tip crazy she's just mad it's true and jill scott is the light-skinned one who we all feel really sorry for the and got treated woman, badly yeah, yeah. Mm. the one that has cancer no she's not the one that has cancer that's best man holiday all my favorite films and i'm not saying that you can't date a white woman and still be pro-black but i think if you're going to marry outside of your race and your race is really important to you, that person has to be equally as invested and equally as understanding. So you're just like how Vic's mom, we talked about in the first episode, used to make jollof and all of these other kind of ethnic foods. I think it's really important that if you're going to marry into somebody else's race, that you have an awareness and an understanding and are equally as an 
as passionate about it as the other person. And if they're not, I feel like that's a clear red flag, right? Yeah, mm. definitely. Whilst we're on the topic of dating, um, so like something that I've always found interesting is like I've always been, and I've never, I've never really been conscious about it, but like I've always been more attracted to like dark skinned men, mm. like. I mean, me too. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, I definitely. Some... Do you think that's a problem? No, I don't. I don't think it's a, a minute pro- ago. I said if I was always if I was always attracted if my type was light skinned man, everyone was like, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> let me, no, no, no. Let me, more like colorism. Like, it's a dark skin. It's alright. No, no, no. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. <laughs> my mad. you know why? <laughs> Say, I didn't actually answer. Well, I just want to say it's very wild view. Like, <laughs> let me, no, wild. let me clarify. Because no, this is... Everyone heard it before. This is fake news. Ready, you know. This is fake news. Fake news. Um, so basically, whilst my exes have all been dark skin, mm-hmm. I don't have anything against starting dating a guy who's light skin or white, whether... If you're... If you have this kind of tunnel vision of I only date people of a certain race, it becomes a problem because you don't see them as individuals. Mm-hmm. You only see them as like your race is like a top tier quality to have. So like you could date a dickhead and be like, oh, at least it's black. Like <laughs> here's the thing though. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, that's you, a problem. You do that. So I, I dated without baiting up my whole life, but <laughs> come on, Vic. Basically all by one. <laughs> I've been black. The reason I don't think it's an issue in terms of going back to what you said is I do, or maybe it is an issue, but I think I equate when you are solely going, I prefer light, lighter skinned um, men or white men. I do think that's an issue with self-hate, specifically related to the black um, community, mainly because of our history and our colonial history and slavery. If we didn't have that, then I think it would be a bit more like take whoever you want. But I think, and maybe it is wrong. I'm not saying this is a, the right thing, but may, um, my, I automatically go to if someone does have a preference for lighter skinned, I think, I, I just think that there's there may be something deeper than that. But I get also... No, I do hear it. Because like, in my choices. head, if I met a guy and he was like, I only date light skinned girls, you know, I'd be like, okay, ch- chill out. <laughs> but I, think it's, I, I do think it's mad that if they're going to be like, the, the blanket statement that we're all black, and this is the black spectrum... That like mm, take take true. like taking the slavery bit out of the way, and this is why I'm saying that sometimes my views are problematic because it's easy for me to take it out of the way. No, but mean? it does work though, the way. I'm taking it out of the way. I think if I want to be like I'm only dating black dark skinned men or dark skinned women, I'm fetishizing those people. That's how mm. I look at it personally. For me, I date whoever. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think, but I think I think it's down to intention. I think you have to be if you have an awareness like I also have historically only dated darker skinned men. Mm. Not only because like my dad's dark skinned and obviously he's the first kind of representation that I had of a my man, etc. Et <laughs> <laughs> well, but that you know, that sounds like a whole new episode. Let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> but also because I've found that lighter skinned men just aren't interested in me. Mm. So mm. by and large, my interests are guided as you said, Shan, kind of in terms of because men are the aggressors and, you know, if dark-skinned men disproportionately are approaching me, then that's probably what I would go for. And I don't have an, a subconscious attraction to the other, whether that's a white man or a light-skinned man, which many people do. And I think the failure of us to really identify what that thing is boils down to this kind of historical indoctrination, which kind of... For me, everything goes back to slavery and colonialism. I'm sorry. Mm. But, and then again, so you do have women who are trying to aspire to be likable because they want to be found attractive, whether it's by dark-skinned black men or Mm -hmm. light-skinned black men or white men. And that goes back into what we were talking about, about this whole skin bleaching thing. Nobody's hair is a skin bleacher. Just no. checking. <laughs> That'd be awkward. <laughs> I mean, I used to be a lot darker. I was 5'20", Rihanna, but now I'm 4'20". But here's um, the thing, right? So I feel like a lot of the products that we use generally are skin bleaching products and we don't even realise it. Like, I didn't know that Dove was... Dove? Yeah. Dove? Yeah. Dove? So I'm not allowed to use Dove because Dove, of the advert. Nivea. Yeah. Wait, whatever. Where the woman oh, yeah. was black and then she Taking used Dove and she was oh, white. Yeah. I definitely used it. To be fair, it was now like a Japanese advert. So in my head, I'm like, <laughs> what can I do to control what happens in Japan? <laughs> so fun fact, guys. <laughs> I can't change the joke. Fun fact, guys. So 
Dove, who in other countries, other non-Westernized countries, obviously promote skin bleaching in a much heavier way, mm. are actually owned by Unilever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have listened to the Burna Boy song. Yeah. This is my source of yes, history. Uh, but the Burna Boy song on his most recent album, I can't remember the actual name of the song. African Giant. There you go. African Giant. This album. So Unilever was, bef- was previously called the Niger Company. And the Niger Company is historically responsible for the sale of Nigeria. So formerly, Nigeria was sold to Britain for £865,000 in 1900 from the Niger Company. So the Niger Company formerly owned Nigeria. Then they sold it to Britain. And obviously then history happened and, you know, independence and all that stuff. But the Niger Company which obviously was responsible for the wholesale of our country, is now responsible for our beauty products, yeah. for by and large, majority Yo. black people. <laughs> Unilever, if you could look at the brand, of, if you go to... I know, the, I feel like I've seen it before. You can see it in everything. And I think yeah. it depends on the specific type of product that you buy from Nivea or from L'Oreal or from Dove. Yeah. Extra moisture. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's actually, it's my first no, but time using it. It's really good. It keeps you... It, the cream in particular, like the lotion, keeps you warm during the winter. Like it is one of the thicker creams that you can buy in a mainstream store. So I see how they use those tactics mm-hmm. towards black people to get them. And then subconsciously, you don't even realize that that's what you're doing. Because every old man I know in Jamaica use Nivea as like to keep his face cool, quote unquote. But really what it's doing is doing what the Victorians used to do back in the day, which is to make their face look ghostly. Because even for white people, it was something to aspire to, apparently, back in the day. Oh, so do the creams have light and stuff in it? Some of them do, yeah. Not every oh, that's product. What you meant a minute ago. So, it's, yeah, they're yeah. yeah. supporting products that are, in, especially in Africa, in countries in Africa, they are pushing, like, they're pushing it like no other. Even in Cape Verde or Cabo Verde, where um, I go quite a lot, there's huge billboards um, that literally promote skin lightening cream. And their Dove and Nivea. So, and this is a black country so d- that is fully supporting it. So, would you now not buy just? Would you now not buy Nivea products because yeah. in Africa, or not just Africa, because it's not just African issue, yeah. but in other countries, they use to me personally, yeah, promote a skin lightening. Well, I just don't find them as effective as me going in to buy... When I buy soap, I buy African black soap. I buy coconut oil soap. Like, I buy, everything that I buy now, including my lotion, is like shea butter, raw shea butter, and then I'll either whip it myself or somebody will Damn, do it for girl. me. Yeah. Because they, they just skin. don't work as well. <laughs> they don't work no, well my skin, you, honestly. It's so cheap, and it's so good for your skin. But I think but you, this, don't need, you don't need these, these products. This comes down to education, though, because mm. we are not taught mm. about these things and how they affect our like, community. That's wild. They're not saying they sold Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm giving my coin. Right? Mm-hmm. Go find new cream. To the yeah. massa. <laughs> that's yeah, really really. wild, you know? And there are certain countries that are banning it now. So, like, Ghana recently banned it, I believe. And where else? banned it, but they still... That oh, really? There's anything. always going to be a black market, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's a black market, but mm. they still push it. Like, in the media, they still have, Damn. again billboards like luckily when i went but to accra I, I didn't see any of that but having read some of the um literature that we were even living, here <laughs> i live in east london i went to the black oh, hair shop in, yeah i posted this in the whatsapp group i went to the black hair shop in like barking and literally the entire wall was covered with skin bleaching cream or skin lightening or making your skin fairer I or see these things i don't know if i'm just... road i'm calling them out <laughs> Honestly, I, sh- them. I shot in there my whole life like I know people from my secondary school used to come down from South London all the way to like Finsbury Park to buy their stuff and the last time I went in there the whole aisle was skin whitening and I'm like no but even if you go to um, threading shops um, like typically Southeast Asian threading shops um, they will have on their menu skin bleaching as a treatment that you can have. Really? Yeah. yeah so, especially like if you go to East Ham, um, for example. <laughs> I live in a rock because I haven't seen <laughs> my hair shop. I don't see all these skin lightning. I, I know that there is some products there. I've seen like the one or, or two bottle. But when you posted that picture, I was like, gosh, Matt, there was so many different products. And I, I don't yeah. see that stuff. When did you guys um, first become aware that skin bleaching was even a thing? 
Well, Shan was today years old. No, I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. For me, actually, it was when I was younger. I used to go to the hair shop of my mum. Um, when we was a lot, when I was a lot younger, we used to go to this hair shop where this um lady was German and she used to do like our hair. She was the baddest. Oh my gosh, I don't know where she is now, but she was really good at doing hair. And she used to um, I remember asking my mum like, why is her knuckles so much darker than the rest of her hand? Mm. Our mum just being like, oh, because she bleached, she bleaches, and that was it. And then I remember always going out of my mum, and she'd always point out to me like, or oh, I would always from that moment clock when like a woman's ankle, like you know the, the knuckle bit, the bone on your ankle would be dark and the rest of her body's mad light. Mm. And then at one point, I don't even know what year this was, but it was like a craze. I'd always just see these people and they were always just mad light and it was like a dirty light. Not to be rude. Is that rude? I don't know. I don't care now. But they were like... Yeah, it's, it's not ashy. like a pink, it, it, wasn't yeah. a, it, wasn't a, it wasn't like they were light-skinned. It was like they're... You know, like sometimes, yeah, you might put a face but mask they were on. Ill. Then you have an undertone where it's like, you now look yellow or you look a different colour. It was like their skin colour was mm. an ill colour. And it was always... And when I'd look at them and see that, and I would see their knuckles or parts of their hands and be like, oh, it's because they bleach. Mm. That was mine. What was you lot's? I'm not going to lie. I think it was Vibes Cartel. Really? Because I think I was in secondary school. I think I must have been about like 14, 15. Like the first time I saw like a major like starch difference. And people were like, what happened to him? People were like, oh, he bleached. And I remember thinking like, shit, like that's a thing. Because when you're that age, you hear the word bleach, you automatically think of, like, bleach that you put down your toilet. And I was thinking, he put that on his skin? What? What's going on? And, like, over time, I realised, like, oh, this is a whole, like, this is a thing. So I think, yeah, it's crazy. I think it was um, similarly when I was a teenager in school days, I started discovering myself and going to the hair shop. And my hair shop was a Jamaican lady. Big up Shelly Ann. And in there... <laughs> um, so in there, people used to come in and they were, like, looking funny. Yeah, their complexion. And I was like, rah, what's happened to these people? Like, they look funny. I didn't actually realise it was bleaching. And then, obviously, musically, seeing vibes, and it just was more of a topic of conversation um, when I realised, like, rah, people bleach their skin. Like, this... And I similarly thought, is it bleach, bleach? But, obviously, as I got older, but... From a teenager, seeing that community looking weird, I just thought they looked. Do you get what I mean there about the color of their skin looks yeah. weird? Pinky, it's like almost burnt though, because if you, it's like pinky. You are literally burning your skin. Yeah, you're you burning are. the melanin yeah. out of wild. your skin. Yeah, you are. It's mad. It out, and I think I don't remember how old I was when I um, was either told or questioned someone's skin color, but it was young, mm. um, and I remember just thinking, I understood then about colorism. But the depth in which someone would go to change, to take the melanin out and to, to, to you know, discolour their skin and they're not even looking like the desired outcome mm, that they want. That's the saddest part. Like, that's the thing. And, and to, to see women today, like so many women today and just still doing it. And it's People on such a look. grand scale that you're just, it's so, it's heartbreaking to be honest. I remember watching this show. I don't know if it was a Jamaican TV show, but it was like a talk show. It might have been Maury or one of those other TV shows. What's the black guy, bald-headed, Montel Williams? Oh, yeah. oh. Steve Harvey. Yeah. No, it's oh. Mon- Steve. Oh, ah. Steve is bald as well. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Montel Williams. <laughs> it might have been before the time of Steve Harvey. But there was a black woman who had brought her daughter on stage. And I shit you not, her daughter was like less than five no. and she was bleaching her daughter mm. at five and i was just like child That's services child this right? is it is but it was that so wild it's so wild and it's like why do you want to visit phys- i mean this is something that brings physical harm real health concerns like you are stripping melanin from your skin which obviously has its own advantages well, the mom's dark skin skin yeah the mom was dark the mom was dark skin like she was she, she was bleaching it. but she she was dark enough that you could she was still dark even though she was bleaching does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but the 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 girl the daughter was fairly light skin and she was making her even lighter but again not with the not with the same kind of like muddled dirty light skin mm. tone and i was just like it doesn't even work properly like mm. is this whole bad like it's so mad to me and this is again it's such a direct thing from colonialism and slavery for me like literally this is how people white people have taught us to hate ourselves and to divide this whole light skin versus dark skin and all of that kind of stuff 
but even dark skin versus dark skin, sorry. Mm, because um, thinking about music, Spice, I just have to say, this whole black hypocrisy video. Mm-hmm. When I saw... Wait, I just saw explain an, the video. So in the video, for those who haven't seen it, she gets a makeup artist to basically make her look like she's bleached her skin and she's literally about 10 shades lighter at one point in the video. And there was a whole kind of Instagram conversation and debate because people like shocked to see the transformation. But I went to an interview where she was being interviewed one time and the reason that she even did that video was because people were coming at her on Twitter, dark skin people, saying how black she is. Mm-mm. And it's just like crazy, the level of... Self-hate. Yeah, Yeah, there's literally no other term. It's mad. Having read some of what we were reading earlier in terms of um, the medical, the um, impact it has on... On, on the community in terms of skin cancer and skin cancers that have been found in some African countries that were never before. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's only been recorded since skin bleaching products have been introduced into the country. So for me, this is a public health issue. And what I don't understand is there's still not no research, real research, mm. adequate enough for doctors to actually respond to this and put something out by saying this is actually harming your skin. And and a lot of people don't realise that when you're bleaching the melanin out, melanin form, reforms. So then it becomes black pigmentation on your skin anyway. So then they then users use more bleach to try and cover that. And that is where this there's a term, I forgot what it's called, but I read it today. Begins with an O. Oh, acronosis or something yes, like that. That is it. Oh, yes. And it's a form of that's skin it. cancer. <laughs> right. I read it today, guys. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so and so many women spe- specifically are now dealing with that. And so for me, there are more questions are why isn't this being dealt with in a more serious way than just us talking about colorism and it being a self hate self hate issue, which we know we know the root causes. But what what in terms of going forward needs to happen? Because is this going to stop? And is it going? Are we going to have swathes of women and men basically developing cancer? Um, which we know is already happening. So, like, I mean, like, you've kind of touched on it a bit there in terms of, like, seeing it as a public health issue. And I think that's such an interesting, different perspective that I didn't really think about before. But, like, the rest of you guys, what do you think needs to happen in order to, like, push things forward so it doesn't become, like, a continuous cycle? God, that's a... I mean, there. I guess there are so many things that we can do, right? Mm-hmm. One is, like, having conversations with young people all the time And there are so many times I'm talking to a young person and I'm sure they find it really weird, but I will literally talk to young people when I'm at work or whether it's my goddaughter and I will literally say, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, love your hair, love your skin. You know what I mean? I remember my, one of my friends, she's half Chinese, half black, and she had a kid with a dark skinned guy. And um, I would say her son is probably like Shan's complexion. And he's seven and he hates going in the sun. And he's like, mommy, I just want to be like you. He's like, I just want to be your your skin color. And he's seven, you know what I mean? Mm. And I'm just like, how do you... And she's she's like, Leanne, I don't know what to do. I try to talk to my boss all the time. I tell him that he's beautiful. I tell him that he's lovely. Things at school, though, that that contribute towards it. Yeah, I'm sure. She comes home and says, wild stuff. And I'm like, where'd you get that from? Sally at school. Shh, don't worry about Sally. Do you (laughs) have that with your siblings? Because you have younger siblings as well, Yeah, I think the same thing. I think in terms of answering the question, question and going back to what you just said I think for me personally I'm just here to live my best life (laughs) so for me my responsibility that I would do because this is such a big issue that I personally this is just me don't feel like I I can't make the change for it but what I can do is contribute towards like future generations so for me it's like cool I know this is an issue and I know that I didn't come I didn't really understand how much of an issue it was until later on in life so for my siblings I can educate them so my bro- I've got younger, so like my brother, I've got a brother who's 17 and one who's seven. I can talk to them so that they don't navigate the dating world for whether they're like men or women or whatever in a way that like continues the cycle of making dark-skinned women hate themselves. And like for my sister, it's about encouraging her to know that she is beautiful. So my sister, I think she's a bit, a little bit darker than me. But like the other day I noticed a patch on her skin. And I said to my mum, it might be by Tiligo. Mm. Because I'm looking at her face, she's now like, oh my gosh, what's on my face? And she's at four. And I was like, it's fine. Either way, you're still buff. You're pretty. <laughs> like, now every time I see her, I keep making her be like, are you pretty, yeah? And she'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, just remember that you're pretty. Aww. And I feel like if you always 
for, for me, I always say this, especially when it comes to, like, dating or, like, relationships. For me, it's all, like, I feel like I'm here to learn in life and then make the next generation have a better life and to keep going. So as long as I encourage my siblings or the people around me to be better versions of themselves or to educate them on what I know about colorism, that's me doing what, what I would consider as my part. And then also, to some degree, calling people out. Mm. But I don't mean in a way that's, like, belittling them. And I think that, for me, the reason why I say not belittling them is because I know I've come from a place of being naive or being ignorant at a point, and it just became... Just because I just didn't know, I just wasn't educated. It wasn't because I was trying to be, like, pro this or not pro that. I just genuinely didn't know. So I think as long as when we're in... We ha when we have opportunities like this platform to talk about it, that we do. And then, and then we, when we see people saying problematic things, that we say to them, you know, actually, maybe you shouldn't say things like that because it means that. Or do you know where these things come from? Well, like, like how we've learned today about the Nivea. I'm about to think twice now about putting that in my basket. <laughs> but these all things make change. Because I'm now going to go home and be like, Mum, you know, my mum wasn't using Nivea, but she's more like you with all these natural <laughs> creams, creme de lait. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like, Mum, like, you know this is... Okay, okay. And then my friend that from... You know that this is... Do you know what I mean? And th I think like that makes a... What's it called? Like a, That makes a cycle of change. Yeah. Mm. That's like me. I think, like, you really hit the nail on the head as well about... Um, this kind of, we all have a responsibility when it comes to future generations. Because I don't know if you guys have seen, oh my gosh, one of the things that really grinds my gears is like white women on Twitter who upload a picture of a light-skinned baby and they'll be like, oh my God, this is the kind of baby I want. Like, I want this kind of baby. I want a mixed fresh baby. So like, imagine you and this dark-skinned man have a baby. If that baby comes out dark-skinned and like, God forbid, was what are you going to come do? across your tweet... <laughs> That, that's horrendous. Like, that's awful. And that is such a normalised thing about being light-skinned and light-skinned babies and, like, having light-skinned babies. And I'm like, it's so odd, like, that there's this weird, like, cycle of perception around light-skinned to the point where, like, it's so... People don't even see how problematic it is. Mm. You you have, like, the guts to upload that on Twitter on, like, a public platform. You don't realise how problematic that is. Mm. Um, and also someone mentioned earlier about um, dark-skinned men and how they'll, some dark-skinned men won't date dark-skinned women. And then you, you say things like, oh, um, you know, your mum is black. And they'll be like, yeah, but I'm not dating my mum. <laughs> and that's always <laughs> their response. I see that all the nah, time. It pisses me off so much. And all I'm like, I don't think you get it. I don't think you get what I'm saying. But like, yeah, but I'm not trying to date my mum, though, am I? Oh, my gosh, that grinds my gears so much. <laughs> Sorry, I went a bit of tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for me, I think also another way that... Um, we can try and address this is this generation I see it as a generation of disruptors mm -hmm. like we are like shutting shit down like and shaking the table honey we shaking it <laughs> so um, thinking about like the relax hair relaxer and um, hair shampoo stuff like a lot more people embracing their natural hair and we've affected sales of these companies mm -hmm. we're selling the creamy crack um, but also <laughs> <laughs> um, but also a lot of um, shampoos now like they're trying to make sure people know their sulfur free paraben free all of this stuff because people started getting educated and realizing so i think what's wrong with that because i buy it just because i see free and i'm like it must be a bad thing <laughs> well, no seriously it, it, it will dry out your hair. yeah it strips oh, your hair of all the natural yeah. oils that I you just have see free and I'm like, well, that means nobody wants that so i'll get this one <laughs> so i think if we can try and hit the companies where it hurts mm -hmm. which is their profit and try and reinforce their corporate social responsibility and other ways that they can make money from the community rather than helping to kill us um then that's a way that we'll make an in so for me i'm a proper like protests and boycott type of person don't care i'll have an argument all day about what <laughs> they mean um but i just think sometimes you need to stand with people and people need to see that you're standing mm. against something um but i think boycotts are important and i know because the black pound in this country is serious like the black dollar in america is serious so when we withdraw from that it really does as Laurel said make a difference financially to these companies mm. so it either makes them look reflect and think what do we need to do now mm. or we just make our own shit I'm so for black mm. people need to get I mean they are on it we're on it all day long but Instagram someone needs to come up with a black version black Instagram <laughs> seriously but black. someone someone needs to do it because the amount of and I know this is a different podcast to be quite honest with you but the amount of bans and shadow bans that are happening to pro-black platforms are ridiculous mm. and 
actually, we just need to up and leave. Mm. And we need to up and leave because I'm t- people need to get on this. I mean, those are four completely different ways, whether you're talking about activism, whether you're talking about boycotting, whether you're talking about educating a younger generation, whether you're talking about just cussing people out in the streets for their dumbass comments. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many different ways in which we can affect that kind of change, particularly because colorism is something that is happening within our community and not necessarily happening to us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's just important for us to recognize that if you're down for the cause, you're down for the cause. Like, light skin, black skin, we're all dope black women. We're all here with the same agenda to support Mm. and empower each other. And if you're not, then you ain't dope. And I think things are changing. Like, slowly but surely, we are seeing changes. So, you know, for example, Lizzo was on the front cover of Vogue this month, and she is a dark-skinned, black, full-figured woman. And, like, I, I just... That, that fills me with joy. Even though I'm not dark-skinned myself, I can imagine how many young dark-skinned girls picked that up, looking at Vogue as one of, like, the highest established magazines of all time and seeing a dark-skinned black woman on it. So I think things are changing, um, but it's also up to us in the actual community to keep having these conversations. No, for sure. I think it's really important. The conversations are important. The activism is important. The boycotting is important. And hopefully we can just, you know, work together to move past this because I think it's something that's really crippling our community in terms of us, our our capacity to move forward. But yeah, it was a good one, guys. Um, Shan? Before we go, just want to say Christmas Link Up is on December the 19th. Whoop, whoop. That's December the 19th. If you want to come, you can email us at dopeblackwoman1 at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at dopeblackwoman one um it's gonna be great food networking music all of that good stuff cocktails don't forget the cocktails don't forget the cocktails (laughs) and our first drink is gonna be uh half price on happy hour rate so be there or be square so thanks guys for listening to the podcast again don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from on Twitter and Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman 1. And on Facebook, we're just Dope Black Woman. And as Shan said earlier, if you're interested in joining our WhatsApp group, go on to Instagram, click on the link, and it will get you to where you need to do. Yeah, we want more women to join. We love hearing the different views. A lot of the podcast topics that we have come out of the WhatsApp group and the conversations that are happening on Instagram, etc. So, yeah. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blackity black. Black plastic. Woo! <laughs>